along with us on a journey into the unknown, the unexplained, and the unbelievable. We will test your senses and challenge your beliefs. A world where science and religion clash. Or do they? You will meet real people and hear real stories, but you will not believe. You will witness strange sights and hear strange sounds, but you will not believe. This is the New England Ghost Project. Welcome to the Nightmare. Good evening from frigid New England. I am Ron Kolick, your host, the gatekeeper of the realm, the unknown, the unexplained, in the Ice Palace. New England's own Van Helsink, and with me in a much warmer climate, I'm sure, is the gold standard in ghost hunts. No, the platinum standard in ghost hunting, Mr. Steve Parsons. All right, it's like an oven here, boy. Yeah, whatever. Basking in it. What's? It was three degrees this morning. Uh, it's currently minus one here. Which is? Well, you work in you work in Fahrenheit, don't you? Yeah, Fahrenheit. Yeah, Fahrenheit. Yeah, we work. For you. We work in Celsius. Yeah, so freezing is zero degrees, right? Yeah. Yeah, so that's not that cold. That would be like heat or heat wave right around here. Well, it freezes water. Yeah, because it's freezing. But it's uh, you know Saturday they're predicting uh, wind chills of twenty five below, so that should give you an idea, it, which is a lot colder than your Celsius uh, temperatures. Yeah. Anyway, it's always cold on my birthday. Is your birthday on Saturday? Did I miss it? No, this Saturday. I'm so confused. (laughs) It's don't do that stuff because everything confuses me now. I I get totally confused. I just find stuff and it just confuses me. So, okay. So speaking about confusion, there's a lot of, I was doing some research for the morning show and, uh, kind of came across a lot of confusing stuff. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, but anyways, oh, I do want to mention, of course, uh, we want to thank all our good friends from uh, Ghost Chronicles Radio on Patreon for supporting us and help bringing you this show. You're going to wish me happy birthday. No, it's Saturday. And uh, I want to also mention that Steve and I have were discussing today spirit quests. So uh, yes, indeedy. Yeah, we're we're kind of you know it's let's we we're excited about it. You know if we can, you know if we don't all die before then, but who knows? <laughs> Say a friend sent me a um, Christmas message a few days ago, a few weeks ago, sorry, and um, said. Um, Happy, uh, happy Christmas, happy new year. Only three more variants till Christmas. <laughs> I love it. Anyway, but we're, we're here. We're still surviving. And there we go. Yeah. All right, so. Necronomicon variant. I think it's the next one, isn't it? Is it really? Sure. It that is. Went over your, that went over your head then, didn't it? Yeah, I did. No, I know what it was. Uh, uh I was going to say that. No, never mind. But yeah, whatever. never mind. Yeah, let's let's yeah. Hey, these damn Chinese! They should get back to work. I need Why, I need I need microchips making. I need them to be making microchips because I'm waiting for my new computer to arrive, and it's uh, four, still four weeks away. 
anything with them is, is being affected right now. I mean, yeah, can, I just saw a thing. Canon cause, print cause is, is a big thing. Canon print is now because they don't get these microchips that you put a cartridge in and it it doesn't recognize it. Say this is not a Canon. <laughs> it's like I oh, know. Yeah, so well. But well, yeah, I mean, cars. There's a friend of mine ordered a new. Um, he's a farmer, and he ordered a new Land Rover for the farm. And he went in, he paid his I deposit, and they said, thank you very much for your deposit. It will now be a 10-month wait. Mm-hmm. And he said, why is that? He said, well, microchips. Yeah. What do they grow in Wales? <laughs> well, not microchips, that's for certain. Yeah, I know that. He's a pig farmer, actually. Oh, pig farmer. Okay, yeah. Yep. I had uh, I had a funny story, actually. Uh I have, uh, I guess they might be relatives or friends or I don't know, but uh, they're uh, Nabodowski, Pollocks, like me, and uh, they own a pig farm. And uh, one of them was, (laughs) (laughs) I'll tell you, and you said that. Uh, (laughs) Not like you. (laughs) So anyways, yeah, so one of them was uh, corresponding with a, a woman from uh, Poland, because they don't get out much, evidently. And uh, they said that, well, you you know, can you send some stuff over for us? And, the, like, you know, they said, they can, oh, okay, yeah, we could probably do that. Uh, so they wanted bricks. <laughs> As you did. <laughs> I can't, can you imagine that? Bricks? <laughs> what, they don't make bricks in Poland? I don't know. It must be a brick shortage back at the time. This was years ago. <laughs> By the way, this is probably twenty years ago. Uh, I believe in Poland. He, it, in, yeah, in Poland, the brick is the um, Polish equivalent of the microchip. Uh, probably. <laughs> I think he ended up buying. Uh, buying. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Well, I guess is. <laughs> he ended up getting. Uh, is that the proper word? Either. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, probably. He, he, he got a uh, a Polish meal out of bride. So there you go. <laughs> oh, well, there we are. There we are. That that yeah. works, kind of, I suppose. Yeah. You know, this other thing, it's not just, I mean, I, I don't, I'm not one of these people who upgrade computers regularly um, or, you know, I'm not, not quite as infrequently as you. I mean, you're still using Windows 3.1, I think, or whatever I, it I was. Think it, I think it's 98, yeah. Windows, <laughs> oh, that new. Um, but, you know. And Vista and Windows I, 7. For the last last 10, 12, 12 or more years, I've been using Apple computers because they do what I need them to do. Because you're a snobby little bitch. No, because I need them to do what? Actually, do you know why I chose Apple computers? Because you're a snobby little snake. No, it's because I'm I'm actually crap with computers. I, I used to be able to go inside and fiddle with all the files and do you remember in the days when you had to type stuff in like go sub and all that? Oh yeah, yeah, you remember that? DOS. Yeah, DOS. Yeah, go to. Yeah, go, go to. Go to, go sub, um, <laughs> and all the other ones. But when when I you know the thing with Apple is they're not they're not actually innovative in the sense that they reinvent the wheel but what they do is they make the software work so when i get a new computer i just type in my and it just installs itself i don't have to worry about installing printer drivers or any other stuff yeah, you know what that's all just stuff. plug stuff in and it just works and that's, that's why 
that's pretty much it now, though. Most of your PCs will do that. Uh, no, they still have to fiddle about. Anyway, um, so I remember putting the printer into yours. Oh, How yeah, long did that? Yeah, four yeah, hours. Yeah, but that was what? Windows, uh, whatever. Uh, it's four hours in my life I'm never going to get back. Yeah, well, good. I'm but, <laughs> so I've always stuck with Apple. So you know, time comes, this one's eight years old, time to change it. Went in the store, ordered the new one. Um, but they've changed all the ports. So all of the stuff that I use to plug into the computer, oh, microphones yeah. and headphones and drives and printers, you could. You've, you've got to buy a whole load of new dongles and connectors. And yeah. that really hacks me off. <laughs> that really grinds my gears because I've got all the stuff. I've spent a fortune, because Apple aren't cheap. I spent mm -hmm. a fortune on all of the dongles for the last computer mm. and they don't fit anymore because yeah. apple have changed the connector yeah they they're just great yeah they have the, even their new phones now they have a thing called the quick charger now so that you have to buy a a new yeah. uh, cord for it so it's i know like a... <laughs> the boy the boys got um phones for christmas because they're they're now at different schools and you know we need them to so we, you know, if there's a problem, they can get no, in touch with snobby. us. No, because we need them to be able to get in touch with us. Okay. Um, that's your story. That's the story. <laughs> now, they've got Apple phones because mm -hmm. we we all, you know, we're on that ecosystem. It makes kind of sense to all be on. And it also has the advantage of if they lose the phones or if they get lost, I can track where the phone is. Or if they're carrying the phone, obviously, I can track where they are. But do you think that the modern uh, phones work with the old accessories that we had lying about that we could have used for the boys? No. No. Nope. no. I, I, you know, I love this old technology. You know, why can't, why can't we make stuff that lasts hundreds of years and just Probably. stick to a standard? Oh, well, they can. It's just they don't make any money that way, so they just <laughs> replace it. <laughs> I know, but I mean, you know, you used to be able to incandescent light bulbs. They could make them things that would last for forever. But then the manufacturers got wise and said, because when they invented the incandescent light bulb, they the bulb itself um, could last for about 40 years, if I remember rightly. Yeah, they were pretty good. Yep. But then the manufacturers went, no, if we make the wire a bit thinner, it'll blow after five and they'll oh, have to buy a new light Especially bulb. if you shake it or anything, it might go. Talk about built-in obsolescence. I mean, there's a, isn't there somewhere in America with a light bulb that's burnt forever? Just, wait a minute. Just, yes. We, oh, yeah. All right. Since you brought that up, since that was a good segue, by the way. It took you a while to get there, but it was very good. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we haven't rehearsed this. This is all I've No, I can see that. Uh, <laughs> But, uh, yeah, before we jump we on today... Weren't, we one, weren't one, on the phone for an hour today rehearsing these ad-libs. No. <laughs> one, one quick quick add-on to this. And, and, and out in, I do have... Uh, you were talking about computers. I do have out my porch my uh, Timex computer, uh, which... <laughs> Which, by I don't know, it has probably less RAM than I than yeah. what toaster probably, uh, and and everything it used to attach it to uh, a, uh, a cassette player, and all your software was on cassettes. Oh, do you remember? You do you play. remember the noise? 
Yes, I had all that stuff. Anyway, I still have it out in the porch. Anyway, all right. So, yes, you were saying, Steve, about some amazing technology. That they well, you have. just reminded me when I when I got my first computer, <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was it was a Radio Shack. Um, yeah. TRS-80. Yeah, Candy. Candy TRS-80. Yeah. And I, I bought Radio Shack. I bought a 16 megabyte hard drive. Oof. Wow. Would you do it all that power? Wow. And do you know how much it cost? No. Oh, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> you don't want to know how much you got. 16 megabyte hard drive. Look how calculators used to cost you. Oh, no. You know, a TI calculator well, was like. Yeah, well, funny you should you know, mention that brand because when I was a, when I was a wee nipper, my, my father worked. He was an electrical engineer. He worked for a big um, national shipbuilding company at the time. And he came home one day with a TI-30, Tandy TI-30. had red LED. Um, wow. You know, like, yeah? Yeah, exciting. Yeah, and he showed me the bill for it. He didn't pay it. It was bought for him uh, to use yep. for the company. £540. Pounds. Pounds. Yeah. Yeah, five hundred. I mean, that would be back then. That was over a thousand dollars. Yeah, and you could do the same thing on a on a slide rule, which was you know. Yeah. <laughs> we we got, what the hell's a slide rule? Somebody's well, saying out there. <laughs> well, yeah. More uh, better than that. Um, my my father-in-law is an ex-engineer, and so for Christmas we we were looking for sort of weird gifts, and we found uh, an old an old slide rule. Hmm. And. Um, my wife, Catherine, was amazed that I could use it. Now, why shouldn't you be able to? And I could do sine and cosine. Yeah, and, we used to do all know, that stuff. All, all that stuff with the slide rule. How do you do that? I went, yeah, you just slide that there. You move do you that know there, they actually converted the slide rule? Uh, you remember when the United States was supposed to go to metric, and I think it was 1999 or something. I don't know. But well, probably before that. Uh, I don't know. Uh, but they actually came up with a, a slide rule for to do conversions so you could do uh imperial or whatever we call our uh, silly uh english american uh thing to uh uh celsius in uh metric to metric so yeah it was very it was pretty actually yeah. it was pretty cool i mean there is a generation really there is a, there, well, in fact, there are two generations of uh, children out there now, adults and children out there now that don't even know what a slide rule is, except yeah, for drawing a straight line down really, the edge yeah. of it. I'm that's the thing pathetic. we put the. That's the thing we we put the ship on the moon with slide yep. rules. Slide <laughs> rules. Anyway, uh, speaking about that, if when you come over, uh, remind me, I have a slide rule tie clip I'll give to you to give to your father-in-law. Cool. Yeah. You've got to remind me though, because I'll forget. Anyways, the funny you were thing saying, was when we gave it to him, he'd yeah. forgotten how to use it. Oh damn! <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, anyways, uh, you were mentioned about technology and how it used mm. to be good, and and uh, you mentioned something about a light bulb. Yeah, because they were originally, you know, because of the tungsten wire, they could last for edu- for for yeah. a long time. But then the manufacturers went, "Hey, there's no money in that." Mm. So is is there a is there a light bulb that's still running? I believe it's over on your side of the pond. Yes, it is. Oh, I thought you were bringing that up, by the way. <laughs> you mean no, I'm, to... go, I'm, I'm going to segue to the next thing we talked about. 
Okay. I thought you, uh, I can't even tell you, I don't even know what that light bulb was. I thought you would get that pertinent information for some reason. Uh, oh, doc- you want you wanted me to? Uh, isn't it the Livermore Laboratory? Uh, thank you. And it's been right, burning for 140 you. years. 140 years. It's right, the light bulb's still burning. All right, so, all right, I, I screwed up on that one. That's my end. I should have grabbed that. <laughs> <laughs> Which brings up to the next one that I did mention, and I yes. have information yes. on, but this I was over I my will, side of the pond. Yeah, so I'll let you do that then, okay? Because I'm sure you looked up that one. Uh, yeah. And we're, and talking, also, and we're talking also, about. You are talking about the Oxford Electric Bell. Yep. Which um, was set up in 1840 mm-hmm. and has run continuously ever since. Um, it was it was purchased for the collection of apparatus by uh, the physicist Robert Walker, and it's presently in a corridor adjacent to the Clarendon Laboratory in the University of Oxford, England, and it still rings, albeit that they've put it behind several layers of glass so that they can't hear it anymore. So it's obviously irritating them. Um, now, the interesting thing about this this battery is because actually they don't really know how it how it's powered. They That's they the have an I idea how it's powered. Yeah. yeah. Well, well, they kind of do, but they can't be certain without destroying it to cut it open to find out. Yeah. Um, but essentially, by the, way, too- by the way, it does have providence because there's a handwritten note that says set up in 1840 oh, yeah. by uh, yeah. Robert Walken, and it was built by uh, Watkins and Hill which is on your side of the pond, I believe. Yeah. The experiment, I mean, basically, it's two brass bells, um, each beneath a dry cell battery. Um, but back then, these batteries were called piles because, obviously, there was a pile of things put together to make it. Right. Um, the bell is activated by a clapper, which is a metal sphere, approximately four millimeters or three sixteenths of an inch in old money in diameter suspended between the two uh, batteries and it alternatively rings each one due to the electrostatic force. The clapper hits the bell, um, so it then discharges and then it, it is repelled to hit the other bell and back and forth it goes. Now, there have been claims, of course, because there are people who will claim anything that this demonstrates so. perpetual motion. Uh, and it uh, is, quite. in fact, a perpetual motion, motion machine, but it's not because it will stop when the batteries eventually distribute the charges equally between the two cells or the two piles. Uh, so far, it's rung 10 billion times. Oh, gosh. So there we go. Um, and, but for the for the real tech heads, uh, wait a it's go ahead. Uh, the technology, which they 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 do know, because I think it was X-rayed back in the seventies. Yeah. Um, and the device which is powering it is called. Uh, <clears throat> I hope I get this right. A Zamboni pile, or a Dulac, right. or a Dulac dry pile. Yeah, a Zamboni thing is a thing that Zam- cleans the ice. Yeah, a Zamboni <laughs> pile. Zamboni is a thing that cleans the ice. A Zamboni pile is an electrostatic battery, which is made from discs of silver or zinc foil and paper. 
um, alternate, alternate, alternating discs of paper and foil and paper and foil, um, mm-hmm. and then smeared with, um, I, on this battery, they don't really know whether it's manganese dioxide or bees honey. Ooh. Um, Sweet. The, reason, the reason that they don't know is that when it was originally made in order to seal the cell, it was covered in uh, a layer of molten sulfur. Oh. which means they would have to destroy it to find out right. exactly what the materials are, whether it's zinc or silver and whether it's manganese dioxide or honey. But they do know that from the x-rays that it is a Zamboni or an electrostatic battery. So there we yeah. are. And uh, let's see, that was invented by, that battery was invented by Galeski Zamboni in 1812. Yeah, there you go. And it makes a, it produces an EMF per element. This is not an EMF as in electromagnetic field. This is an EMF as in an electromotive force really? um, of 0.8 of a volt. Wow. There you go. Do you remember the, the perpetual motion machines that we used to have oh. in school? The balls? Well, well. I have a neighbor, a next yeah. door neighbor, who uh, has got a, a garage full of magnets and Ooh. wheels and stuff. Because cool. um, despite the fact that nobody has managed to succeed, he is determined, he has an idea in his head, a design for a perpetual motion machine. Really? He thinks he's cracked it. He is an automotive engineer. Um, oh, I give him that then. But he thinks he's cracked this this um, idea for perpetual motion, and uh, as he's only next door, <laughs> I might be the second to know. There you go. That's intriguing. So not, yeah, do you remember many those people big... can? Say... Oh yeah, no, not pretty. Do you remember those balls things, right? Yeah, yeah, those were the, so cool. Uh, I always loved those. You said about the Newton's cradle. Uh, is that what it's called? Yes. Yeah. I mean, I was always loved by those. I loved the radiometer. I loved the Dunkin' Duck. Oh, my my favorite was the, oh, I remember the Dunkin', my, my grandparents had one of them, but my favorite was the um, solar windmill. Did you ever have one of them? Uh, the radiometer? Yeah, the solar windmill, we used to call it. Yeah. Stick it on the windowsill, it would spin forever on as soon as yeah. the, till it went dark. And that goes to show, you know, most people say, well, what does that work? It's light. They think it's creating electricity, but it isn't. It's actually uh, the force of the, uh, oh, God, I'm going to screw this. Photons. Photons. I was going to get there. Give me a second. Photons uh, from the uh, light. Yeah. And it's a technique that NASA are exploring for um, a propulsion method for deep space craft. Of course it is. We're exploring. Along with the ion drive. Well, we have a no space force now, so we we get up to that. That's only to counter the Russians who were shooting down all your satellites. Yeah, but no, it's actually designed. You see, we we uh, we sent we sent a, an object at a uh, asteroid to test it out, see if we could nuke. Yeah, the yeah, I saw the film. You shot Bruce Willis at an asteroid. No, that was an. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so these machines are kind of cool. Trouble I mean, is he came back. Yeah. 
so I mean, high school after us. I, I think kind of cool though. I mean, all these things. Do you know? I yeah. I, I and weirdly, I, I think we're on the same wavelength here because um, I have a radiometer. I've got a Newton's cradle because yeah. they're, they're the kind of man gadget that you put on your desk and you just play with occasionally and stick them back on the shelf when you finish with them oh it's like the wave machine too that's the other yeah one. i remember yeah. that mate my, yeah. yeah i, I always that's wanted cool. one of them i never actually got one oh, um, i'd get you one but you and know, what was the other way to get home there was there was the plasma ball the lava lamp yeah i have the plasma yeah. ball yeah and the lava lamp and all the other weird oh, yeah. stuff that you used to play with yeah mood rings uh, i remember the curl up fish as well Oh yeah, yeah. But the, the mood rings. Do you know? Do you remember the mood, mood rings at all? Uh, not only remember them, but I think there's one in the boys' bedroom. I think it fell out of yeah. a cracker. Yeah, yeah. Moon reads. Those are so cool. And uh, we, there's a series that's produced by the Canadians called uh, the the Red Green Show, and uh, it, it's uh, from the uh, Possum Lodge. This guy is Red Green, and uh, it, it's kind of fun. They, they fix everything with duct tape and everything. I mean, it's, it's pretty cool. But uh, he always comes up so with good I. ideas, how you can make uh, different things out of nothing. But, you know, it's kind of ridiculous. But he says, I've come up with a great idea. He says, you do is you buy all these uh, mood rings and uh, <laughs> you put them on the door in the hub. And then uh, when your wife comes home, you know what kind of mood she's in. <laughs> she grabs it. Oh, that's, that's thin ice. That's thin yeah, ice. Anyway. Yeah. Oh, wait, moving I, don't need, I don't need my wife to wear a ring to know what mood she's in. I just uh, wait. It's the way she comes back, back uh, brings the car into the driveway. Oh, really? Yeah. If she hits the, if she hits the front of the house, we're in and for you a hear frigger, fragger, frigger, frigger. Yeah. Door slamming and. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you're home, dear. <laughs> How's your day? <laughs> you don't want to ask. <laughs> Uh, oh, so, actually, sometimes it's just better to retreat upstairs. Yes, exactly. But to do hide is what I was doing. <laughs> uh, but anyways, uh, I do have some other inventions and things I'd like to talk about. Uh, well, there's, from... there's one that I found today because somebody pointed me at it and reminded yeah. me of it. Um, okay, so we'll, we'll that go... we can talk about when we come back. Yeah, we definitely. I have a couple too, so we have lots of things to look at. Anyways, uh, yeah. So there you go. Uh, you're listening to Ghost Chronicles International, if you're still with us, and with Steve Parsons and Ron Kolick right here on Tojinet and Parax Radio. And we brought you by Circles of Wisdom, 386 Merrimack Street, Methuen, Massachusetts, and the Galant Messier Family Law Group, 15 High Street, not the Andover, Massachusetts, and our super-duper good friends on Patreon, uh, Ghost Chronicles Radio on Patreon. So there you go. But, uh, yep, save the date, uh, September 30th, October 1st, October 2nd. Spirit Quest is on its way. Ooh. Anyway, I still have 15 seconds. How did I not do this right? <laughs> Usually I go into the music. Now I'm, like, totally not sure what to do. Uh, do you want to sing, Steve? Should we dance? No, have we, have uh, we thanked everybody? As far as I can remember, I've thanked everybody that I can think of, but uh, well, you know, we don't want to let we we, we don't want to overlook anybody, do we? I oh, look, send my there's sim- the tunes. That's the. I want to send my seconds. sympathy to Prince Andrews. All right, moving right along. <laughs> he needs it. <laughs> we'll be right back after the falling. I message. bet he's sweating now. Oh, I think so. <laughs> 
Welcome to Tokinet, radio with a cutting edge. Do you have a paranormal event, book, or something else you want people to know about? Then why not advertise it on Ghost Chronicles Radio? With over 150,000 downloads a month, get your message out to an audience that's interested in the subject. We have a plan at a cost that fits your needs. For more information, contact Ron Kolick at anyghostproject at comcast.net or call 978-455-6678. They're creepy and they're kooky, mysterious and spooky. They all talk ugly kooky, the Parax family. The shows are paranormal, not stuffy but informal. The topics are abnormal, the Parax family. They're strange. Deranged. Unrestrained. So grab your favorite brew. It's time to rendezvous as we give awards to the Parrax family. Welcome back to the second part of tonight's Ghost Chronicles International or the end of the first quarter of the two hour marathon that is Ghost Chronicles International, followed by Ghost Chronicles The Next Generation with your host in New England's own Van Helsink and the Platinum Standard in Ghost Hunting over here in the UK. You're sucking up on that platform. platform, platform. I know. I'm just pandering to you. I'm just pandering to you. Yeah. So hey, we've right. got one of your um, gold standards coming over here later in the year. Oh, Enjoy. really? Yeah, bringing oh, a which, party which of, one of those. Which one of Brian those? Brian J. Kano. Who? Kano? Kano? Kano, yeah, I know. Kano. Brian yeah. J. Kano um, uh, is leading a 10-day investigation tour of mystical whales in July. Ooh. I think he's flavor of the month. I'm not sure. Well, he didn't invite me, but there we are. Ooh, mystical whales. Well, well well, I don't know. That's right up your alley. It's where I live. Yeah. And no, nothing's more mysterious than you, as far as I can tell. <laughs> oh, I don't know. I can think of one thing that's more mysterious. Really? What's that? Cowboy Bob. Cowboy Bob? Yeah. Robert Who's Bess. Who's Cowboy Bob? Robert Bess. Oh, Robert Bess. Okay. Or Cowboy Bob, as he was known back in the day. Which day? Well, back before he shot himself in the foot on Ghost, uh, Ghost Yeah, Island. we'll get into and that. The, the Ghost Hunters. <laughs> mm. No, so Ghost, Ghost Adventures. Adventures. Ghost yeah. Adventures. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, we want to get proper. Yeah. Whatever. I didn't realize that was back in 2009. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I don't think Zach had reached puberty then, had he? I don't think he wore a mask back then. No, that's true. Which is a shame. <laughs> well, apparently, he was it? He, I mean, it, he wasn't preempting COVID. Apparently, he has some sort of uh, condition, doesn't he? Yeah, he's possessed. It's an idiot. Oh, ah! did I say that? My no, microphone was on. No, no, it was, it was, it was. I'm sorry, error. Zach. I, I didn't mean that. I, it was an error. It's I meant error. to say idiot. You know, he won't be on our show at all. You know that, right? You'll yes. be, you'll be blocked like you were with the ghost at this. Do we sound bothered? 
<laughs> Anyways, Robin Best, another one of these gentlemen. He was the uh, the founder of the. That was polite of you. Yeah, the founder of the Foundation for Paranormal Research, the FPR. Sounds good, don't it? Sounds good. Would you, if someone was... Was he the CEO as well? Because American ghost hunters like to be CEOs, don't they? Yeah, they do. Founder and CEO. Yeah. Yeah. They don't know what it means, but they think it sounds cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway, what do you got? Are you you want me to run this? Are you going to run it? How are we well, going? I think being an American, a fellow American, you should introduce the gentleman. And I his, did. And his, his name mach- was Robert Best, according to you. And his boy. ghost catching machine, the Parabot. The Parabot, right? Yeah, because um, I t- I actually went back and watched it. Um, watch it work? We, no, I watched the program. in order to reacquaint myself with this dreadful piece of technology because um, it is the coolest looking thing it might look cool but then so did richard's um richard felix i was gonna segue that man you're killing all my segues what what was it he what was it he he called it the he Oh, I don't remember. Oh, God, here we go. Yeah, we had the we had the guy on the show. Remember? Yeah, we had the inventor on who was claiming that uh, somebody had stolen his patent, and it was yeah, basically was... a six-inch nail hammered into a wall and attached to a plasma ball. Yeah, pretty much, or something. Uh, no, was... Anyway, but that's not that's not so... the Parabot. Yeah. Um, the Parabot was a ghost catching machine. Uh, ghost um, It's well, anyway. Um, worked for the. Ghostbusters, why shouldn't it work for him? Well, he he apparently he got in touch with um Zach and Co. and said, you know, quit the scary stuff. I can catch these these things for real. So they were intrigued enough to invite him on the show. Um and it was done on the I think it was one of the lives, uh, the Transalegany Lunatic Asylum in uh West Virginia. Yeah, yeah. Um, and during the broadcast, his this this thing, uh, this this device was set up. Um, and I, I'll read you from his own, from an interview that was conducted with him later, because he claimed during the um, time he was at the Transalegany um, that there were a number of assault, paranormal assaults upon him. Uh, five, I think, um, before the broadcast, com- yeah, before the live happens. broadcast commenced. Yeah. Upon arrival on October 28th, the Parabot machine was unloaded and moved to the second floor of the asylum, where it was assigned to perform its task during the live broadcast. Oh. After the move, everything seemed quite normal. The next morning, I powered up the Parabot, and it began spinning violently and pivoting at a high rate of speed. Two tech and an engineer were witness to what occurred and assisted me in stopping the machine. The on-set IT specialist, I presume he's the on-site IT specialist, researched the Parabot's electrical components and found no reason for the malfunction. This was the first assault. And then there were a number of others. Um, The final, the fourth one on October 30th, five hours before showtime, he got called back to the second floor where the Parabot stood with its doors open and broken. The left and right doors had both been forced apart, which broke the left door, 
Further inspection showed that whatever had opened the door had left its mark. The back wall, left wall and ceiling of the machine all had claw marks, showing that some sort of four-fingered creature was there. This is scary. It was. Yeah. And of course, um, it was during the broadcast himself that things went a bit wrong, though. Oh, no. Um, in his words, on the night of the broadcast, an extreme paranormal, full-blown poltergeist assault le- threw him 15 feet against the wall, which Ooh. Zach witnessed for himself. Ah. Minutes later, his EMF meter was removed from its hand. From his hand, he had been, or in his words, I had been disarmed by a poltergeist. Ah, because an EMF meter is what? A weapon? A ghost gun? Presumably. Yeah, Presumably. Ghost gun. Yeah, um, and he goes on to say the reality was that viewers were seeing real uncontrolled hostile energy toying with the humans. Nick Groff was five feet away in plain view filming we whilst talking with me, instructing me on where to walk back. A minute later, Aaron confirmed the disbarment disarmament (laughs) he uses the word disbarment but okay i like that sadly viewers became more absorbed in the drama than what was actually occurring oh no and the what was actually occurring transpired to be he threw the emf meter really when when maybe he was possessed and his hand was forced by demons to throw it Maybe, maybe, but it's, uh, the jury spent some time deliberating um, on, on what took place. They reviewed the footage and they came to the conclusion. The only conclusion that was left to them to reach was that he threw it. And so sad. That was basically the end of Robert Bess uh, because he'd been working on a new production for A&E. Uh, arts and entertainment um, and that felt that collapsed almost immediately okay so there we go so I actually have a this was occurred on February 21st Uh, according to the FPS uh, the main attraction would be the Parabot they were uh, there were a hundred people that uh, this was at the pump house, which is a uh, an old castle uh, on the banks of the, I believe, Delaware, uh, someplace in Midwest. In this case. So this is the first person account. Over 100 people showed up and crowded in the enormous room of the first floor of the pump house, waiting expectantly in the dock. The apparatus in the center of the room, presumably the Parabot, was a large box large enough to hold one person with a Tesla coil located inside and another Tesla coil behind the box. A Jacob's ladder was affixed to the top of the structure and there were green neon lights that ran down the length uh, and dotted uh, the bottom of the box. The Parabox doors stood wide open. Ooh, this is getting to be exciting. Onlookers were unable to understand Mr. Beth's Brief introduction because of the echoey, unfocused sound in the cavernous room. Cavernous room. 
unsure of best subjective and how the equipment work, we watched as the lights were dimmed and the attentions were focused on the large box in the center of the room, loud and digital didgeridoo laden music <laughs> didgeridoo laden music and strobe lights were cued. Over the next hour, Bess and his associates pumped smoke into the into and around the parabox while the Tesla coils snapped rhythmically and produced tiny bursts of uh, lightning like electricity. Twice an alarm sounded and the doors of the parabox were closed. There was excited shouts from Bess and his crew, and then the doors were real one and the smoke pumping continued. <laughs> Got one, yeah, you're right. <laughs> Paranormal investigation of the field in which it is difficult to separate the serious from the silly. I think the ultimate uh both of uh I think that ultimately both types can be equally pointless. Now that's kind of true in a way. <laughs> Uh, judging from the, the press release and the technical uh, nature of the ghost hunt itself, Bess and the FBI seem to be a little bit more into attention-grabbing publicity stunts than a collection of any real data. According to the FBI website, they were able to draw some conclusions from what happened. This is conclusions. The three-mile lock experiment uh, took place and was filmed by NBC with over 145 witnesses testifying the experiments unveiling results. Two very identifiable entities were captured and contained into the chain, chamber's uh, force field, then shortly released. Wow. There you go. Yeah, I mean, that that, if it were true, would represent probably one of them uh, it would be it would be almost equivalent to um an alien spacecraft landing on the white house lawn wouldn't it okay so if you did if he did capture a ghost for lack of better terms right inside yeah, his well, little plastic chest um how would you know it would be there well the meter would go off no, he's been disarmed. 145 witnesses and NBC television cameras captured the event. That there is enough there for um, a reasonable attempt at um, science did, to make an understanding it like? of it. What did it look like? Well, did any of the 145 witnesses describe it? Probably 145 describe the, views. <laughs> describe one of the uh, one of the two entities. Moreover. Is the footage available for us to view? Can we see this entity? Because what what he's actually saying is not that not only that he captured two entities, but let's rewind a minute. He has an intrinsic understanding of something that science and every paranormal investigator um, struggles with because we don't know what a ghost or an entity or a spirit actually is. We can't define them because we can't study them we can't look at them examine them and figure figure out what they are or what they represent mm -hmm. which you would have to do in order to design a trap or a containment because you've got to know what it is you're trying to contain um, exactly. you know if you it could be like water you know i'll design this containment it'll all just run out the bottom um so he 
has got further with that machine before it's even been built in the understanding of what an entity or a ghost or a spirit is. Moreover, if the experiment is successful and he has captured a couple of entities, then he has. And if you go back to the 2016 Ghostbusters movie, when the um, the Bill Murray figure, the skeptical professor comes along and demands to see it because mm-hmm. it, it truly is groundbreaking. You would have every parapsychologist, every physicist, every researcher in the world clamoring at your door because you have unlimited funding by the way and unlimited funding because you have achieved the holy grail one of the holy grails of science because with that device and with that discovery you will be able to answer um, some fundamental questions like what happens when we die do we survive death in what form do we survive death um it 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 would just be earth shattering in its mm-hmm. in its magnitude and the fact that it isn't and it hasn't been and it science magazine and nature and all of the science journals and all of the television channels are not reporting this fantastic breakthrough yesterday in america there was a, a guy who was transplanted a genetically modified pig's heart yeah, and that made international we news used to around do that the world. A long time ago, yeah, but that made international news around yeah. the world. The world's first successful um, pig heart transplant. I thought we did that before. No, it was yesterday. Are you sure we haven't yeah. done a pig's heart before? But it always failed. You've done pigs' valves. Valves. That's what it is. Thank you very but much. This was this was an entire heart. It was oh, the pig okay. was modified inside um, in the womb, and then they were grown. Um, with this sort of genetic modification in order so that the human recipient mm-hmm. wouldn't reject the donor heart that came from yeah. the pig. And also to stop the pig's heart growing any bigger, because obviously pig's hearts are bigger than human hearts. Yeah. But that made international news around the world. Right. Now, if somebody had done what Bess claims to have done, it would be orders of magnitude bigger. Absolutely. And only an NBC camera crew and 145 people were there. And we've never seen the footage. It's never been reported on the news. No science journal has ever picked up on it. No parapsychologist has ever rushed over to study it. Um, The U.S. government hasn't thrown every, you know, Biden had been knocking on his door, offering him wheelbarrowfuls of money. Are you kidding me? They would have just taken it. Well, maybe they did. Maybe it's in a big warehouse with the Holy Grail. Oh, there you go. <laughs> In a wooden so it, crate, Mark secret. So, anyways, uh, this this article is by a, a newspaper reporter, and uh, this is his conclusion. National Enquirer. No, it's uh, Rhode Island News or something like that. Oh, okay. uh, no, no, whatever. It says neither I nor the roughly fifteen people I talked to at the end of the event was uh, able to identify anything being captured. Here are the only conclusions I was able to come up with from the experiment. First one, I still have no idea what the parabot is technically supposed to perform. Two, the Tesla coils are cool and the snapping noises they make are strangely satisfying. 
Three, the Jacobs ladder, though its only real purpose is to demonstrate electrical properties, looks cool uh, and should be affixed to the top of all uh, scientific inventions. And number four, apparently all you need to catch a ghost are plexiglass, neon lights, electrical supplies, didgeridoo music, and smoke, and lots and log of, lots of, a smoke machine and lots of log of fog juice, lots and lots of fog juice. <laughs> well, I think I think the uh, the reporter is a very savvy reporter because it is smoke and mirrors, isn't it? Yep. I mean, you know, like you gave like it high marks for entertainment value. But then <laughs> a lot of these devices, like Spiricon, uh, invented by George Meek um, as a device to communicate with with um, those who have passed, mm-hmm. an instant form of two way commun- uh, telecommunication with with the uh, afterlife the deceased um was was another of these magic boxes um all now interestingly meek uh, i think perhaps uniquely um unless we count frank sumption as well um but meek published the circuits for the spiricom device so that people could replicate it and build their own mm-hmm um that was that's a, where you should I, do things i think that was probably his great downfall because nobody's managed to build a replica that works mm. um and when they when they went back to meek and said hey we've built the replica and it doesn't work meek then said ah but you have to be a medium in order to operate it uh-huh. <laughs> and that's i mean that's something you, you you do encounter when you when you talk to people that use these boxes these different um spirit communication devices because mm-hmm. when you look at the device itself like the sb7 or um it, or even the famous dr60 right I, and you say well look you know we can take this apart and we can we can look at the mechanics of it we can look at the circuits and we can look at what's happening and we can understand why it's doing what it's doing but we're not getting the dead talking to us uh ah, but you've got to be psychic in order to for them to uh, be drawn to you like a beacon and then communicate with you you know i'm not fearless steve and, and i don't know why this is i'm not trying to put any damp water i'm just making an observation is that i noticed that certain people who do it uh you know who are uh for lack of a better term evp specialists mm-hmm. tend to be able to capture more of those audible sounds evps than someone who does it and i, I i'm not sure why I, but i have noticed that in in uh in the my observations for the past 20 years that that there if people who do EVPs all the time tend to get better results than people who don't. Uh, and I have no clue why, uh, you know, well, uh, in, it's interesting you say that because, um, one of the things that if we go rewind to, uh, Raudiva and, yeah. um, he said at, back at the time, uh, that if you're going to do an EVP experiment, now he did his somewhat differently. He just used uh, white noise and recorders, uh, but he said you have to stick at it for a long time. It could mm. be weeks or months before you get a communication, and then you oh. have to work with the uh, sender on the other side and establish, you know, a, a, a protocol a rapport. and rapport. a rapport. Yeah. Um, and he said that you know you can't just switch on a device and say, "Hey, anybody listening?" and get a response. 
Mm-hmm. Now, this is something that, you know, even even serious uh, EVP researchers, those who only study EVP in a laboratory rather than in a haunted house, have uh, have noticed that it isn't something that's that's instantaneous. It's not something you can just go off and do. And they will sit in the in the laboratories for weeks and weeks and weeks listening to nothing uh, but mush and static until they they eventually get the communications and then they develop it from there. Um, so it is it is interesting that you make that observation because mm-hmm. e- regardless of the device that they're using, um, there is a similarity there that you have to. And it's also been said of um, things like red light sounds groups or sounds groups. I was going to mention home that. Circles, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Um, that, you know, this idea of oh, we'll get a we'll get a Ouija board and we'll all sit around and we'll all talk to the dead. Um, is is not very successful unless you watch the movies of course <laughs> uh, but those who persevere and develop home circles or seance groups and they use the same group of people and they stick at it week after week month after month year after year they start having more results um, or better results better quality communications and results than those who are just dipping their toe in it in a haunted house and going anybody there oh why it's a demon and then moving on to the next place mm-hmm. so perhaps there is an element of persistence or as some psychologists might argue perhaps there is an element of self-training there in that you are gradually over time um training yourself to impose the voices and sounds that's the thing i was going to bring up is is because we don't really know where evp comes from everybody assumes no, we don't. It's the voices of the dead uh-huh. uh it but it, you know uh, there's still always that faction that we we created ourselves and, uh-huh. and that's you know even the ghost in the machine yeah i mean that's i mean it was something years 20 years ago uh Anne and i and of course you, you know went on to study <laughs> evp we speculated you know are we putting the sounds onto the recorders no, that's the hard thing. You know, about. is it is it you know, I'm sitting here willing a voice to speak to me or to impart um, um, impose itself onto the recording. Am I am I mentally doing it with telepathy? Am I sort of affecting that machine in some way? Is it me speaking to me? Uh so it says fifteen seconds. I we didn't get a bell, did you? No, till the tunes. Yeah, no, I didn't hear a bell. I didn't hear a bell, so I'm not sure if it's the Ding. end of the show. But, but uh, no, I didn't hear a bell. I guess it's the end of the show then. All right. So uh, there well, that's you go. weird because my countdown clock. Okay, I guess that's something. <laughs> There's the bell. Because <laughs> I'm looking at my countdown timer, and my countdown timer still says we've got two minutes. That's what I thought too, but I, I, I was getting uh, messages and I'm like, oh, what is this? Okay. Anyways, that's funny. They're playing uh, with us. Typical for the uh, time Damn of year. Texans. <laughs> Anyways, uh, yeah, it's, it's intriguing. We'll have to get uh, Ian on to talk more about we, it. We will um, once she but, gets uh, over COVID. Omicron. Yeah. yeah. Well, um, I wish well. And... Because she is the leading expert now. She. I think the only person I know of to have a PhD in EVP. 
PhD. Goodness gracious. That's that's a lot of letters. I wish I had mm. a bunch of letters. I only got the uh, cheap letters. Wait till, <laughs> wait, wait till she comes on because she describes herself as a psychic phenomenologist. Why not? <laughs> I'm still struggling to understand what it means. I, I, yeah, it's just like, like best too. I'm so, just a uh, ghost hunter. Hey, you know, talk about catching ghosts. Yes. For Christmas, I've got, I see we've got a minute left. I yeah. got, you can hear it in the background, a cellophane bag. And inside the cellophane bag, there is a ghost. ghost? It's ah. a pocket ghost. Open with caution. There's a high risk of it floating away. <gasps> and it's on my desk. And it's um, it came with a second cellophane bag, which is uh, ghost farts. Uh, we'll skip that one. <laughs> Moving right along, this is the end of the show. So yeah, now, so we do have to wrap it up. Fifteen seconds. It's just uh, thank more. you so much for uh, watching the show, watching the show, listening to the show. What are you? It's from uh, uh, Ghost Chronicles International right here in Tojana and Parrox Radio, brought to you by Circles of Wisdom, three eighty six Merrimack Street, Bethune, Massachusetts, the Glant Messier Family Law Group, fifteen I Street, North Andover, Massachusetts. Our super duper good friends on Ghost Chronicles Radio on Patreon. You too could become one of our super duper good friends on Patreon Radio if you go and sign up. Anyway, stay tuned for Ghost Chronicles Next Generation. We'll be right back. Long-legged beasties and things that go bump, bump.